Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Well, hello everyone. This is Suzanne Knabernicol from Police Science Doctor. I hope you had a great Christmas. Or if you didn't, I hope you got through it okay. And um, I'm glad for you basically that it's that this festive period is over. If you didn't enjoy it, we're going to have New Year's coming up soon. But um, this time, perhaps if you can still try and relax a little bit, you might be working. If you are working, thank you very much for what you're doing. And um, just um, wanted to wish you a good festive period, whatever you're doing, working, staying at home, relaxing, any kind of activity um, that you can have in a positive way would be good these days. So today, police science snippets number 56. So these snippets are three golden nuggets of what I think is actionable information, something I've extracted from journal articles that have been published. So these are established research um, publications and police science related things. But these are things that I think can actually be applied straight away or somebody who's a frontline practitioner can maybe start thinking about this, how to use it or actually implement it in some way, shape or form. So I'm always trying to find something that is not um, just theoretical or abstract, I try to find something that you can actually somehow integrate into your work. And that I think is often missing. And that is exactly what police science doctor does, sort of being the bridge between academia and um, the frontline and practitioners. Okay, so these three snippets are emailed to everyone on the police science doctor email list. If you're not on the list yet, you can subscribe if you want. And that basically means you'll get an email from me every Tuesday with these snippets and with a link to the original research article. You'll also get access to the um, password protected page on the website, polysciencedr.com, on which you can download all these snippets. Um, from the past 56 weeks, you can also download the transcripts for all the videos that are on there. And um, it's, like I say, it's all free and accessible for you. So just go to policesciencedoctor.com and leave, you, leave your details in the form that comes up there. So the snippets I've selected for this week, the first one is detecting deception. Liars tend to experience more cognitive load and therefore they provide fewer details, express more negative emotions, use fewer first-person pronouns as in I, me, mine, and refer less to cognitive processes than truth-tellers. And um, the link to the article is in there. So lying is cognitively demanding. It's difficult, so people tend to give as little detail as possible. If you've watched um, Reservoir Dogs, a great Tarantino film, you'll see a good scene in which Tim Roth, I think his name is, practices a really good story that he tells as a lie, but he makes sure he has a lot of detail and a lot of emotive information in there, a lot of cognitive information there, because he knows that that's usually missing when people are lying. It's very important for him to pass, um, pass himself off um, as a... As a, as a true, as, as the person that he's pretending to be, because if, you know, if he didn't pass, he would get killed off. So he's got um, high stakes there. But it's, it's actually a really good scene that is quite, I would say, pretty much um, accurate with how you're supposed to be lying, you know, in terms of the detail you're supposed to provide. Obviously, in suspect interviews, unless somebody has a lot of time to practice, it's not usually that um that polished and you can you can try and compare how they speak about certain topics to how they speak about other certain topics because it's always best to calibrate what is normal for someone based on that person not compared to other people but based on that person do they 
do they communicate very differently about one topic than the other? Then obviously you might want to go back to the one that they were maybe more vague about, um, provided fewer details and, you know, just elaborated less. So that's the first line snippets for the snippet for this week. The second one is about juvenile police contact and then later outcomes for those juveniles. So youth's personal police contact or their knowledge or witnessing of police contact with someone they know has negative outcomes on adolescent well-being, including their future outlooks. And this applies even more to white youth than black or Hispanic youth. So this is quite interesting because it turned so what this research has found that if you're being stopped and approached by police and spoken to and maybe searched, frisked, whatever, it actually can cause anxiety and a negative self-image in those youths and they have worse outcomes than later in life and how they see themselves. And this is also the case if they know of someone in their circle of friends who's been stopped and approached by police. I don't think, I was, I was having a quick look through the article, I don't think they are considering positive police contact, such as, you know, um, community community occasions or, you know, when you're actually having positive conversations with police, you know, when you're maybe playing a football game with them or sort of outreach where police are tr actively trying to get youth involved. I don't think that is that is that that was considered in this research. Um, but this is actually about police contact on the street, stopping, searching, stopping, you know, asking the person to account for why they're here, for example. And um, so it actually turns out that it's a negative experience that has um, potentially very significant impacts on this on this young person. So that's something to consider when we are looking at, you know, the pros and cons of actually stopping and engaging with youth. And, you know, could we counterbalance that with positive engagement? And if so, you know, how does that perhaps mediate the effect that these stops have on the young person? And the third snippet for this week is racial congruence between police and communities. So that just means um, how how representative is the is the police force in terms of their ethnic makeup compared to the community they sorry the community they serve? And it turns out that increased racial congruence, as in you know they're more similar. So that with the police ethnic makeup and the community ethnic makeup are more similar. So increased racial congruence um, decreases police killings of black and Hispanic individuals. So that means if you're policing an, an area and you in which you've got a lot of black and Hispanic people um, living and you know that that is their community, you actually have fewer police killings, fewer killings by police if you have more black and Hispanic police officers in that force. Okay, perhaps not counterintuitive at all, um, but again, an argument for recruiting more people that are representative of the communities because it actually prevents some deaths. Okay, so these are the snippets for today. I hope that you found them useful. I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope you have a, in German, we say a good slide into the new year. I wish you all the best. Don't make any um, New Year's resolutions that you're not going to stick to. You know, just make a decision commit to it and see it through is what I would say and uh, I wish you all the best and I see you in the new year bye bye thank you for listening I hope you found this content useful you can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign up form for notifications of new content just enter your first name your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for you will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.